We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst, and today I have Andrew Ball and Simon Campbell and Norman Riley with me to talk about Newcastle's absolutely fantastic 3-0 demolition of West Ham United, um, you know, and we're all still absolutely buzzing. So we're delighted to be talking to you today because if we weren't recording this, we'd just be talking about the match anyway and buzzing. So it's a pleasure to be able to talk on such a fantastic weekend, Bollins. We drove back from Leeds yesterday after a day's test cricket at Headingley on the Friday, and um, you were not just you, but you were very down and weren't looking forward to the match. How do you feel now and why? Uh, hungover. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good. It was just a great day, wasn't it? It was such a like just nice experience going to the match and it not being terrible. Mm. Um, and everyone played well. There's like players that have criticised for weeks now. Perez really good yesterday. So just slightly unexpected, but brilliant. Very very brilliant. Yeah, um, Norman, you you got the the plane back to London last night because you travel up for for home games. Um, worth the journey, I'd imagine. Percent worth the journey, and obviously I'm best friends with Michael Marino now as well. He's <laughs> um, coming over, tea later on. But uh, I mean, you know, I said to you, I think I said to you um, on a message in the morning that uh, part of me would rather be at home, sat in the garden drinking beer, and taking the dog for a while because I was, yeah. uh, I was that fearful of how of how things could turn out after the week that we had. But um, ultimately, from from getting to the pub and meeting you lads to get into the airport the whole experience was just absolutely fantastic and um, yeah I'll be I'll be buzzing off that right up until the next match against uh, against Swansea no doubt yeah I think we're all all the same and it was just a, it was just a brilliant day and it wasn't just the I suppose the performance was a big part of it but it was the crowd the noise the sun was shining and it was just all the shite we've had to put up with and maybe maybe we were all a little bit too guilty of buying into the narrative that Sky have tried to do, done their best to set, and I mean, it, it it reached ridiculous levels when on Friday or Thursday night, Paddy Power were doing a match preview, and it was like uh, West Ham travelled a struggling Newcastle. West Ham were literally bottom of the league, <laughs> literally bottom of the league with loads of yeah. problems, <laughs> and they were travelling to struggling Newcastle. And I mean, Merson predicted a comfortable West Ham win, obviously. But even even other pundits, you know, you watch these like little betting blogs on Twitter and stuff, and like Sam Matterface and people like that, were just can't see how Newcastle are going to handle West Ham. Well, well, sorry lads, handle what? <laughs> handle a disorganised group of players who don't give a shit. Um, it was absolutely class. I really really enjoyed it. I think the the first place we'll have to start um, is probably <coughs> Hosselu. Norman, I'll I'll come to you on that one because you were buzzing. Everyone's buzzing, but that is complete a centre forward performance. You know, I've seen in years at St James's Park, particularly for, on a home a home league debut. Yeah, um, I was really happy to see him in the lineup uh, when when it was announced. Uh, obviously, I know we we know that Gales um, slightly under the weather, and the first couple of games have kind of shown that if you're going to play one player up front in the Premier League, you do you do need to have someone who's got that 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 power and that that size, and. He just, he just led the line. I mean, the first two chances that we created, I don't know if you've uh, had a look back at the highlights yet, but the first two real chances we created, uh, one of them was a break and a cross from Marcelo that I had to um, just feel to connect with. Zabaleta cleared. And then the corner, the subsequent corner from Richie ended up with Marcelo again and he put another good ball in the box and it was just his, just his movement. I mean, these, these two times he's popped up on either side of the box, put decent crosses in 
and then um, and then obviously the goal as well. He, he, he had uh, I think it was Collins and the young lad Rice went both went down um, for the ball. Um, he was in the middle of them. He used strength and determination, and he just put his foot in. And I'm going to mention Mitro's name here, but I don't think that's something we would have seen from Mitrovic. Okay, you know, within the first sort of half hour, two excellent crosses, great movement, and the determination to push through two centre, two big centre halves, and get the ball in the net. Um, and just for the whole time he was on the pitch, he was he was an outlet, and he dragged he dragged their centre halves all over the place. And yeah, I was really really happy with his performance, and uh, you could see the the relief in his face when he scored the goal as well, because this is a lad who has got something to prove, and with Benitez's management, then hopefully he'll prove it. Yeah, I totally agree, and. What I've got written down in my notes here because I watched the the game last night was game of the day on Sky quite right too, um, so they kind of showed the extended extended highlights, um, and what I we'll talk about the tactics later in the high press that we we kind of played, but it was just it was so good to see a centre forward as is it like him, you know I think the first minute of the game he went and forced a, a throw in deep in their territory first first moments of the game it's like that wasn't really pressing that was chasing a lost cause and. For whatever reason, you know, Benitez's compact style or, you know, Dwight Gale trying to conserve energy or Mitrovic's lack of movement, we haven't seen that in a long time. It was just great to see, like, it got the crowd going in the first 10 seconds and it was just like, you know, when you said that um, the West Ham centre-backs couldn't handle him, I thought that it was almost like they'd never seen him play before. They were just expecting Dwight Gale to start and, uh, you know, it was just it was just weird how, how, how bad they were it handled him. He won everything in the air. He, I said to sign I think on the way home in the car yesterday, like he, he's like he's a bit like here we go with my hyperbole, but he's a bit like Cristiano Ronaldo in terms of the way. <laughs> in terms of the way he hangs. <laughs> I'm only talking about area here. You didn't say that in the car. No, no. Would have called you on it. I did. I, mean, I mentioned. I mentioned hanging though, didn't I? Like the way he gets up, he seems to be like in the air, ready for the header. Yeah. Way longer than anyone he's he's facing. So it was it was absolutely brilliant to see like someone who's who's so good, and Sire, I'll bring you into it. We're going to talk about Dwight Gale a little bit later. Do you think that we are a better team? I mean, it's one game. And then people keep, keep yeah. saying, oh, West Ham were shite. Yes, they were shite, but the, you know, we made them shite. And maybe they are a bad team, but you know, we, we did what we had to do against them. Do you think we looked like a better team with that aerial outlet? Because we used it a lot. Yeah, I, I think you've... you've we're not necessarily a better team full stop but a better team with an aerial outlet and a bit more balance I think we've noticed over even last season when Perez played with Gale we never we never really had any great games when Perez uh, when Gale played with Diame he had Diame was the, the, the workhorse he was the one bringing the ball down at the air or, or linking play up Perez and Gale are probably too lightweight between themselves and they just lose the ball very easily but whereas Jocelyn and Perez formed a partnership that looked like Bellamy and Shearer like yeah. they, were, they were just mint Perez looked quicker. He was sharp. He was getting all the scraps like off Tosselu. They just had a bit of an understanding. I've never seen like it looked like we were playing four four two just because we had yeah. two two players so in sync up front, and they were just giving giving West Ham an absolute nightmare to deal with all all game. It's uh, I don't think anyone could have predicted the big man little man Spanish partnership <laughs> being you know essential to us this season, but it looks like it might be. And even when Perez and Mitrovic play, they don't have that kind of partnership. And no. everything Norman back you and Tosselu like. Everything he did, do you know what I mean? He doesn't do any flicks to nobody. Every header, every touch, it's a pass. It's like he knows what he's going to do yeah. before the ball comes to him. And I said, I think I said to you at the, at the game yesterday, Norman, what a couple of weeks for Hosselu. Like from being shipped out on loan, being not wanted by Deportivo, being, you know, to basically not going to get on Stoke's bench for the season. To be like you said, it was it looked like an important goal for him. Um, it's just been absolutely fantastic. And do you think it's a do you think the fact that it's it's Rafa has made a big difference to him, Norman? Absolutely. I mean, for a start, bear in mind this is a lad who, I mean, he struggled at that ball last season. He had a bit of a poor side. Um, Hughes clearly doesn't have any faith in him, despite signing him. Now. Both the managers of Deportivo and uh, Stoke, they aren't anywhere near the class that Rafa Benitez is. So for, for even even the fact that Benitez wanted to sign him was going to give him a, a massive psychological boost. And also, the last two or three seasons of his career, he hasn't he hasn't had that, as I say, that belief shown in him. And it's there now. And I, I'm genuinely uh, excited to see, to see what he can do. Like you say, the partnership with Perez was it worked brilliantly yesterday. And... Um, 
I think that's uh, he, he will get he will get goals for us. And, and what he'll do is he might he might be a sort of 15, 20 goal striker. Um, I don't think that's his game. But what he'll do is is he will open up the space for other people to steam in with goals. And I think uh, you'll see Perez getting more goals playing alongside someone like Costello as well. Um, I all in all just a really happy performance. And I, I'd spoken with a Hanover fan um, when we signed him. And I spoke with two Hanover fans, one journalist who was really effusive and his prayer said, yeah, loads of potential, this is what he can do. And he's pretty much bang on with the performance yesterday and what he'd said. And the other Hanover fan was really negative. I didn't put that in the uh, in the article I wrote. And then he tweeted me yesterday and said, everything I've said, ignore it. So there you go. Just there, yeah. Just very, very excited. And I think um, comparing him to Ronaldo, I mean, I think he's better than Ronaldo. So there you go. <laughs> Totally agree. Bolland, I'll, I'll, I'll try again because Sai kind of dodged the way over that Gale thing there. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on do we look better and does our style of play suit a big man up front? I think we looked much better with him. And I said to you last week when we were at Huddersfield, I don't think Gale can play up front on his own in this league. He's just been too isolated. Um, he doesn't have any sort of physical presence. We're just, we were just hoping that he'd get on the end of something. Or you know, getting behind the defence. Whereas, as you say, Jocelyn was bringing other players into the game, and the connection of Perez was obviously a lot better than what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. So, as long as he keeps playing like that, then he should be in the starting eleven every week, in my opinion. Let's talk about Perez then, because you were very, uh, you had a lot of praise from just there. He's taken some stick on the True Faith podcast, um, even though he's done a lot of good things while he's been at the club in terms of goals, important goals, the winner at Brighton, etc. Um, you know, yesterday I think. It was kind of picked up a match of the day as well. It was almost like he's, do we agree, Bolland? He's a better front foot player. When he's allowed to chase and press and harry and link up and be positive, do you think that's, that suits his game better than maybe trying to sit in in front of the midfield and, you know, try and, you know, you know when we when we'll have the ball and come, be brought into play by the players, is he a better just now? Let him just, like, be a little raggy running around all over the place or might simplify a bit no yeah, I think you're right I think he's well he's obviously he was a striker when we bought him not a midfielder so it obviously suits his game a lot better to be running at players um, as we've seen he can finish and he, he has got a decent touch but he struggles sometimes when he gets a bit too much time on the ball like he likes to take a few too many touches at a time so I think it's better for him just to have someone like Jocelyn he can just run on the balls and things like that rather than rather than playing his part of the midfield effectively um, for me, he he was just he, that ball for the third goal from Interich was unbelievable. It was a really good header by Lascelles. Like that's kind of headers like Lascelles has been bad at making in the past. When he's headed the ball, he's like, like headed it straight to an opposition player. But it was big booming header out from the back. The the match of the day highlighted it. The header was created by us our pressing, so West Ham were forced to play the ball long and nobody. Yeah. Lascelles header Perez brought it down under pressure. West Ham then started to push up. Mitrovic found himself running the opposite way. Good run by Mitrovic, but what a ball. But kind of like, I wouldn't say more impressively than that, but definitely up there was um, the fact that the first goal, when the young lad for West Ham, you know, he sees Richie coming and he falls over um, <laughs> and like shits himself. But Richie doesn't actually, Richie doesn't actually get the ball from Richie would get the praise for it. Perez gets a crucial foot in and that, that yeah. gets the ball to Marino and it's just like that little bit of you know Perez could have been running the other way could have been we're going to win the ball here but yeah. he went no we've got a chance to nick the ball here but that, that's exactly it. the difference between that and the first two games is Perez was picking the ball up maybe 35 yards from goal not on the halfway line or in own half so when, when he's picking the ball up in those kind of positions he can do stuff he can be a threat because as Bolland says he's not got much to think about he's got 2-3 touches pass 2-3 touches shoot whereas when you ask him to do job from an own half He's got loads to do, and he's maybe not—he's not quick enough or strong enough to to run forty yards and make something happen. But if he's only got ten yards to make, with a bit of skill or with a couple of touches, then then he's he's class. It's funny you say about strong enough because when we first signed him, when we played him up front on his own, I remember him being like quite strong and being able to hold the ball up. And then the last sort of two or three years, he's just fallen over all of the time. He's been weak. <laughs> but yesterday, again, when he came under pressure, he was fine. Yeah, like, he wasn't just falling over. I don't know whether Benitez has finally told him like. Stop falling over, Io. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I, so let's talk about Christian Atsu then, because definitely the best player against Spurs by a mile mm-hmm. was kept quiet by Huddersfield last week. Well, I would still say Huddersfield is our brightest, brightest outlet. Yeah, fair enough. But yesterday, it's like we were talking, so you were like Atsu, unbelievable, and I thought you had a good game, but I thought Zavaleta had the measure of him. 
do you just want to talk about that and what do you think would you say he had another brilliant game yesterday I thought he was excellent I thought he was one of our best players again um, I th- yes Zabaleta had quite a, quite a good game and he, and he made a couple of last ditch challenges as well not just on not just on Atsu but I think uh, there's a, t- a time when Hoslu the ball drops in the six yard box and he gets he gets a foot in where it was like a, a guaranteed goal um, Atsu's assist for the goal as well Atsu's assist for the goal um, I think yes unlike with Kyle Walker-Peters against Spurs where Atu just had his pants down and beat him over and over and over again he wasn't doing that to, to Zabaleta obviously but he was getting round him still he was playing one-twos and this is where Perez was coming in the game again I suppose but he was playing one-twos inside off Yoslu off Perez Richie was coming across as well we're um, just taking a break to watch um, <laughs> highlights of second division fixture Barnsley Sunderland. I wonder how this one went. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's, a, a that's a bad goal to concede. But I, uh, to, to sum up, Atsu. Yeah, he, he, oh, that's a bad header. Oh no! Oh <laughs> my God! Sunderland will be disappointed with that. And what's this? They're not going to score again. Surely not. Surely not. Someone, someone close them down. Oh, the keeper. That's an awful no. <laughs> so, Look at Lee. They're, they're off. They're, they're off. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Go who, on. Who was I talking about? I too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just think you, you say he didn't. He didn't. You know, Zablet had a good game against him, but he was getting round him. Like if you're getting one two around, you're still at fault. Atsu was getting round, getting fed in, and he was always the other side of him. Eventually, whether or not by beating him or by, by passing it off, and that's indicative of the team putting a much better performance in. But I still thought he was excellent. He was bright. He was still running the ball twenty yards, even if Zablet he wasn't passing him. He was forcing him back 20 yards, which was letting us get forward and creating space. And He did the job of a winger, brilliantly, again. Third game in a row. Yeah, and from, from Atsu to Matt Ritchie. I put on Twitter last night, um, people have been writing off Clark and Ritchie, saying they're not Premier League players, and you know the tweet went down quite well. But then I had a few people replying, saying literally no one's criticised them. Well, I've seen loads of people, yeah. <laughs> both at the Huddersfield game last week, like people around us were like, they're championship players, they're, they're not good enough. Well, I think... Kieran Clark, um, centre forward extraordinaire, um, <laughs> slash Mitrovic impersonator because the whole of Block V yesterday, I don't know if it was like this in the corner bottoms. Yeah, yeah, when Kieran <laughs> Clark scored, everyone was chanting Mitro and it just it wasn't. Ben uh, Ben had the great line, he's not here, he's he's probably still in bed. Um, but he came up with a great line when Kieran Clark scored. He went, uh, Rafa's just died a little inside. Because <laughs> it was Mitrovic. Obviously, that's tongue in cheek. I'm sure Rafa, well, Rafa would have been delighted to see uh, Mitrovic score eventually. Um, but yeah, some had a like, hilariously bad marker. But Matt Ritchie's work for that goal, unbelievable. Um, Bollins, you on Matt Ritchie. Like, I don't know if you had a couple of doubts about him, or maybe I'm just projecting that on you. But certainly after the game last week, so I think people discussing the decline of Nat, Nat Ritchie, Matt Ritchie, um, <laughs> is pretty premature. He hasn't had a great start to the season, but I think particularly Huddersfield, the, him and Shelby were basically our two key players, and I think they've just doubled up on him and he's had a slow start. But it, I was, Mickey was saying he shouldn't be starting yesterday, and I was like, well, the thing is, when we're struggling, and when we struggled in the championship, he was the person who just drags it up with some like a little bit of quality. And it was much the same yesterday, just maximum effort. And he put a great ball in for Clark's goal as well. Um, just not just the ball, the whole the yeah. whole passage of play, the one-two. So the... It came from a free kick. The free kick wasn't great, but then he's just gone, right, well, I'm not not giving up here. Nanzini tried to fall over. Force him over, gets the ball back, plays a little one-two, bands us out and the cross is like perfect. But um, I think, yeah, Richie, he's, he's a bit of a raggy, isn't he? And like, as you say, when, when things are down... You need a couple of nutters in your team, really, really pushing us on. Um, I, I just you can't really start games without him, just because yeah, you just need a few one players of the like first that. names on the team. Yeah. And it, it's important as well. I think that, you know uh, maybe I think some people listen to have listened to our praise of Mankio and thought like, what the hell? He's been all right, but the fact that he was written off so badly, and the fact that people were like, what are we doing signing this? And he's he's played three games now. He looks like a, he looks like a Premier League right back. But I also think Matt Ritchie is important in that partnership and the protection he provides them and they talk to each other a lot through the game. You know, there's a communication there, and it's just a really good positive partnership yeah. down the right. We're talking about a player who hasn't played that much Premier League football and he's been forced to start all three games for us, where Rafa would probably have preferred to bed him in slowly or or see who is better out of him and Yedlin and kind of. But he's he's been forced to have to play him every game. I'm not counting games he played for Sunderland as, as Premier League football because it just wasn't. So, 
I think he's very done harsh, he, very uh, harsh he, to every team that Sunderland. I know you're <laughs> very, very harsh to the team Sunderland. Well, yeah. Simon makes a good point. I was reminded on Twitter by someone that the reason he was out of the Mackham's team last season wasn't because he wasn't good enough, as many Sunderland fans suggested, compared to Billy Jones or the fuck plays on that right back. It was because they couldn't afford. They couldn't afford it because if he played made played another game, he would have triggered the release clause. Standard. And obviously, I think you know. They've got enough problems without having to pay six million quid for a yeah. player that they didn't necessarily need. Obviously, they could do with him; he would be their best player by a mile. But um, yeah, just just a really positive performance, and that was really good. Now, lads, hands on the table in front of us. I don't want anyone touching themselves while we're talking about Miguel Marino. I can do Mbemba. Oh, Marino. Marino, yeah. Uh, I want to. We'll, we'll come back to Mbemba because I've got loads of praise for Mbemba. No, no, we'll just go. Yeah, you're there. We're there. Go. No, was, no one can wait. Mbemba was fucking brilliant. <laughs> was said on the way up like I'm, I can't believe we're sitting here wishing we had a proper left back playing because we thought against Huddersfield and maybe against Spurs when he came on he was fine defensively but he was offering nothing it was it was making that to get quite slid and Bemba was running forward 30 yards of the ball he was doing one twos he was, he was pinging crosses in as well as Antonio who's a big athletic lad got nowhere near the byline yeah. He literally got nothing. Well, he got once in the first half. He did and got the byline. Well, but apart from that, yeah, yeah, he <laughs> fell over didn't he, Bemba. But apart from that, he was absolutely in, in, insane. Like I'd, I'd rather have that and Bemba than Paul Dummett any day of the week. Uh, to back up your point, in the second half, Antonio was just all over the place because yeah. they were obviously trying to get him into the game. Yeah. So then they switched him in front of Cresswell for a bit. Then they put him through the middle before Lanzini came on, yeah. and it was just like because he is a good player, Antonio, a really good player, I think. Um, but he had an out yesterday, yeah. and like you say, I remember. Bollins, do you think this Mbemba left back thing will he get better and better as he as he plays? Though, do you think now, as soon as set piece comes back, he'll be back in the team? Uh, well, Dummett will definitely come straight back in, but I prefer Mbemba as a, just a player. He's faster, um, he's class defender, as the song goes. Hmm. He's um, comfortable on the ball, though. He's he is comfortable with the football at his feet. Uh, so he he might stick with it, but I think Paul Paul will come back in when he Rafa loves him too much. What about when Yedlin's back? Will he? Do you think he'll go Mankio left back and and Yedlin right back? What do you think he'll stick with uh, Chancellor? Mm, that's a good question. I'm not sure. We're not sure. I think I think um, point on Mbemba. I mean, he's just he's been a centre half all his career. But if you look at yeah, yeah, like you know, modern fullback, his physical attributes are are there to be that to play that position. He's He's not tall for a centre half, is he? He's just what, just touching, just over six foot maybe. Yeah. Um, but he's athletic. He's quick, and he can pass. And there's definitely somebody who could uh, possibly change positions from being a centre half to a left back. And uh, like you say, Simon, he was he was absolutely brilliant yesterday. And with regards to Antonio, I didn't even realise he's on the pitch until I think I said to you, Alex. I think I asked you, "Where's Antonio?" Yeah. Because <laughs> he just he just didn't seem to to be anywhere, did he? So that's a uh, credit to him. Bemba, he was excellent. I mean, we. You actually said it, I think, would you know what formation were West Ham playing? I don't know. <laughs> From that performance, I have no idea. But yeah, so because the players were all over the place, and yeah, it's just, I mean, that, I mean, we'll talk about the defense quickly now because a few people put on Twitter there and ask for questions. Clean sheet, and we'll move on to Rob Elliott after this. Clean sheet, <laughs> West Ham had one chance, which shouldn't have been a chance because the keeper should have saved it probably. But anyway, um. Like, do you, does, does Lejeune come back in for Swansea for you? Or do you think Lascelles and Clark get to keep... I'll, you know, I'll ask you, Sai, Lascelles and Clark, do they get to keep their place in the team considering what they've achieved there? That's a really tough question. Rafa rewards good performances. I think he, he's, he's likely to give Lascelles a chance based on that performance, but at the same time, Lejeune, after 20 minutes of football against Spurs, Lejeune is so much better than Lascelles. <laughs> uh, Clark's, Clark's been fine. Um, he'll keep his place, but... If, if Lejeune's fully fit for an away game against uh, you know a decent side who's, who's still managed to get get a win at the weekend, um, I, I would personally still put Lejeune back in because he looked so good and he just looked a bit more confident. Lascelles, if we're under pressure and we don't have much of the ball and we need to move the ball out of defence quickly, Lascelles isn't who you want on the team. You want someone with a bit more composure and who just looked worlds, worlds ahead of the rest of our defence. One of the things which is interesting is Rafa loves balance, right? In both Lejeune and Clark are left-footed, so I don't know whether that will. I don't know. I can't see him dropping Clark. I just think I think Clark is absolutely class, yeah. and like I can't see him dropping Clark. And Lejeune probably does come back in, but I just want to give Lascelles some praise. Much maligned often, um, pe- people getting his back still quite a lot at the match because he's a little bit ponderous in possession. 
I thought he was really positive with the ball yesterday, and not in terms of going forwards, but he moved it quicker. If he was going to go back to Rob Elliott, he did it like straight away. Yeah. He didn't have two or three touches first, and already he was dominant. And you know, it was just a good day, good good performance by the captain, and it, it's just a nice reminder. Like a lot of players in the team, he's not shit. Like he's yeah. a good player and he can compete he did, at this level. He, d- he doesn't deal well with it, a team that presses that we got pressed well and truly pressed back by by Huddersfield, and when Lascelles is picking up the ball and having two seconds to think. He's probably not quite got the quality to deal with that, and yeah. it makes him nervous. It makes him make mistakes defensively as well. Whereas yesterday, we just absolutely dominated that game, which makes him look better. And it's so important that the whole team does their jobs for for people like themselves to to be able to kind of perform the way they should. I'd rather Lejeune up against the Abraham than themselves. Why is that? Watching the way Abraham played yesterday, I think um, I think he's. His mobility might cause Lascelles problems, and he's um, he's he's quite like he's not even quite, he, he is quick. And I think I haven't watched that you know forty spectacular minutes of uh, Lejeune up against Kane. I just I just feel that he would do a better job against Abraham than Lascelles would, and that's not taking any way, anything away from Lascelles, who was excellent yesterday. I would just feel more confident seeing Lejeune in the side against Abraham. Yeah, and I think there's also the chance that. Um Urente returns for that game as well, so that'll be another. You know, kind of. It's, I'm sure Abraham's a good player, but you'd think Urente uh, is probably a different level in terms of Premier League experience and goals, anyway. So that'll be a, a test to come. Um, Bolland, people want to hear us talk about the goalkeepers. We were pre- accidentally missed Marino. No, no, I haven't. I'm, I'm coming to him last because we've got so much to say. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Bolland's keeper, Rob Elliott, do it for you yesterday. Uh, no, not really. His kicking was still a bit dodgy at times, and was it? There was one shot. I can't remember who took the initial shot now, but Hernandez comes in for the rebound, and the save he makes for the rebound is quite good. But the initial save, he just fisted straight into Hernandez. We thought he actually dived past it live. I've not seen it from behind the goal like we were. Oh, he definitely. So he, he, moves, he moves to the side of the ball and has to throw his hands back in to save the shot. It's really weird. It was to just watch. a straight shot from yeah. Cresswell. It wasn't like. That should have just been dealt. I think that was that West Ham's only chance. Can yeah, I? Yeah, well, it's the only thing I can think of. Them. Yeah, it's the only saves that well, two saves he's had to make. It's Kieran Clark's got him out of jail there. Because yeah. if that yeah. goes in, then we're talking about an absolute howler, aren't we? Yeah, and I mean, podcaster Richie Smith tweeted us last night saying, "Heard Elliot played well today." I, I mean, I thought his kicking was improved from Huddersfield, and I thought he, there was a moment in the second half. I think when he did a delightful little chip out to Chancel when we thought he was going to skew it out of play. But I still think Rafa is desperate for a goalkeeper. Desperate. Um, I, don't, I don't know who that goalkeeper will be. Um, Darlow wasn't on the bench yesterday. The The official report was injured. You know, if he's got to move this week. Or I suppose putting... You know, people were saying, oh, is it ahead of a move? Well, it might have been. But putting him on the bench wouldn't have been the most harmful thing in the world <laughs> yeah. for, his, for his move. Um, but yeah, I thought that... I don't know. We're st- still not convinced by him. Um, it was Cresswell who hit the shot. Yeah, from still not convinced. Um, I thought his kicking was better. His kicking when he came in at the end of last season was good, so it's a bit bizarre that it's it got was so better bad. than Tottenham, but it was still like three or four went out of play like several times. It went straight to West Ham play. I know you can't get it right every time, but yeah, it just felt like it happens too much for. for he definitely game. dived past that shot, and yeah, the react- he did get a crucial little touch. Before before it went o'clock yeah. on the line, so fair he's, play. He's but. obviously a good lad. Rafa's chosen him out of the three keepers that are there, so that says, says something about him. He's, he's he's supposed to be really good in the dressing room, but there's no there's we, no secret that Rafa's been desperate to get a keeper in. Also, we can't we can't just sit here and pretend for everyone yeah. that he's really good keeper. Rafa in wants that. a better goalkeeper. Yeah, in that, in that he played that. well yesterday. And listen, clean sheet in the Premier League's aren't to be sniffed at as goalkeepers. So fair play to him. And he didn't have anything to do really apart from that one where he dived past and recovered well. So you know. Six out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that just about does it. And then I'll come to you again, Norman. Um, Marino, do do you think that like me, me and you particularly have gone over the top about this? Because although <laughs> people have praised him, they haven't maybe used the vocabulary that that me and you were using at the match yesterday. No, they're all incorrect. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a bit difficult for me because obviously he's a close personal friend. But, um, can, can you just explain that for people who might not have been on Twitter? Well, I mean, so I, I was fl- I flew back to London last night straight after the match, got dropped off at the airport, went through, sat down with a paint, 
had another paint, was a little bit, you know, squiffy-eyed by this point. Walked towards the gate, and I was like, that's Marina. And I was like, nah, it's not, man. <laughs> and the close I got, I was like, that's Marina. And obviously, at that point, at that point, given that I'm a 40-year-old man, I behaved like a 13-year-old at a Beatles concert in the, uh, in the 60s. Um, <laughs> and I just I just started cracking on with them. And obviously, because I, I can speak Spanish, um, I just launched into it. And we ended up having a big crack on. And uh, he, looked, he looked slightly sort of scared, but at the same time, really <laughs> happy. I couldn't really work it out. Um, so, and, uh, and, and I, I did a fanboy thing. I got a photograph with him, which is absolutely pathetic. But you know what? I don't care. Because... <laughs> Because his performance, and like this, right, all right, and this is this is hyperbolic. People, it might be over exaggeration, but I genuinely felt after after all the matches I've watched over the years, that was one of the most complete midfield performances I've seen. The black and white top, it was unbelievable. He's, I mean, he was winning things. That he, he was winning things in the air. His vision was superb. His composure, um, it just looked like when he had the ball, it, it was almost like the, the play around him slowed down so you could pick up what he wanted and. The first goal, the ball that he puts out at two, it's weighted absolutely perfectly. Um, and bear in mind, this is a kid who hardly played last season. He came in at Huddersfield, he was, he was on his arse at Huddersfield after about 45 minutes, or after the first half. He still kept him on the pitch. And he's come back a week later and he's put in that performance yesterday. And I think everything that we that we heard, um, the the lad from Depardieu, sorry, yeah, the lad from um, Osasuna I spoke to about him, everything he said kind of you know, came true yesterday. Um, Sid Lowe, Gillian Bayegi both coming out and saying, if you can get this kid playing, you've got a real player on your hands. And I think that was quite obvious, um, given his performance yesterday. I mean, uh, um, it, when, when Shelby's available, I'm, I found, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll come to the question of playing them together later on. But right now, based on that, you, you couldn't bring Shelby in for Marino based on yesterday's performance. What, what, what was just incredible for me, and I totally agree with everything you said, is he was dominant in the air, and it's like it's something. Hayden's all right in the air, and he wins a few, but Miguel Marino was dominant, and it's a little bit like I mean, Hoslu's got the height, but it's like the but it's it's I, I don't know what I go too much into winning a few headers in midfield, but it's almost like they're just dead good at footy, so they know like when to jump. How it to was Vera esque, mate. The performance, what the performance, like the his gait and the way that he moves, it it reminded me of um of Vera. I mean, I know it's only one game, so I'm not saying he is like Patrick Vieira, but the, his physicality and his movement and uh, his pace reminded me of, um, of Patrick Vieira. I mean, for a team that went pretty much two seasons <laughs> um, of Callback and Anita <laughs> um, as the midfield two, to have Hayden and Marino grafting their bollocks off and who are both miles better, who are 22 and 20 years old respectively, it's like if Ashley wasn't Ashley and the club wasn't run like a joke, like it is, um, you'd think and these two are going to dominate the Premier League or certainly be a force in the Premier League for the next five to eight years, um, which for any Castle fan, particularly centre midfield, is just weird. I mean, we were doing podcasts when Ryan Taylor and Jonas Gutierrez played holding midfield against Sunderland in the weird derby, which was just... Like I didn't even have the word. I didn't have the words then. I still don't have the words. Um, just, just Ryan Taylor, like a nagged old Ryan Taylor being picked because he's John Carver's mate to play centre midfield in the Premier League. Um, and now we've got this lad just doing things. And I, I said to you at half time. Never mind. And he got better. I think in the second half. I said at half time, it's one of the best central midfield performances I've seen at St James's Park in years. And that might sound like exaggerated, but think about who we've seen playing centre midfield for Newcastle in the past five years. Um, I don't know whether you two lads agree with me, Norman, but I just I could not believe how superior he was to to the opposition. And yeah, I know West Ham are shite, and they don't look to me like they're playing for the manager. But to put in that performance after being called a joke by Graham Souness on national television, I'll tell you who's a joke: you, Graham Souness. You're a fucking <laughs> joke because he was good at Huddersfield. Yeah, you know he lost possession a few times and he. He maybe wasn't as positive as he could have been, and and, and he like I, me, I definitely saw it. What Norman said there in forty minutes, he was like bent over because he was so tired. Um, for Graham Souness to come out and call a a young lad making his Premier League debut a joke in a one 0 defeat in a tight game is a disgrace. Um, and you know, I, you know, I can't wait for Marino to be shoving those words down Souness's throat for the next ten years, hopefully. 
But yeah, I'm uh, bottling a little bit to you. Your thoughts on Marino? Do you think me and Norman are going over the top? No, no. I think he played he played really well um, yesterday, and he looked good when he came on against Spurs. Um, as I say, Huddersfield is a bit of a, an odd game, but. Um, I think he's just going to get better and better and I think the performance yesterday cause, as I actually said when Shelby got the got a suspension I was like if Marino comes in and does well for me I don't think Shelby will get back in the team and I, I just suspect that he might might not Sorry the big question I suppose does Shelby come back in for Swansea it's, it's a real hard one is he? because he is the heartbeat of Newcastle United John Joe Shelby under Rafa Benitez the absolute heartbeat I mean, based on three games of football, Shelby and Marina are our best two midfielders now. Harsh on Hayden. I like that. Hayden. I, you know, he was excellent last season, but if you had to pick out the three right now, I'd go with Shelby and Marina. I think, yes, Shelby, in theory, should earn his place back for being such a prick, but <laughs> but um, I, I, Hayden, I was, I Hayden was fine yesterday, but I think Marina it's too was soon, the, too well, soon to play Marina and Shelby because you know you're not going to get a lot of work out of Shelby off the ball. Yeah, it's still early days in Marino's career. So I, would st- I think Hayden's the one that will stay in and leave. You Shelby say that, but I thought Marino, as as well as picking out some brilliant passes and just being unreal on the ball, he was just stopping everything that came came towards him. He is he is the holding midfielder. Like it's, it's almost like you'd like them to find a way to play all three. Yeah, like play a four three three. Be a very narrow four three three, but a four three three with Richie and. Atsu don't play number ten, which would be harsh, harsh on Perez. Yeah. But I can't see Rafa Benitez changing from the trusted four-two-three-one. Yeah, um, Norman, what, what would you do? Shelby back in for you? Um, against Swansea. Yeah. Against Swansea, I would play either Marino or Shelby along with Hayden. Um, I think the game to possibly play Shelby and Marino together would be Stoke at home. Um, I just think Hayden would offer away from home that, that bit more defensively over Shelby. Um, but undoubtedly, Marino is—he is capable of. I mean, he is a box-to-box midfielder, so he can provide defensive cover. Um, but we've just won three 0 Both here and now Marino are excellent together. I don't think Shelby should come straight back in. Be in your place. Yes, and I think we'll, we'll move on to this next bit now. We still got a lot to get through. <laughs> That's what happens when you win uh, big games in the Premier League. Um, uh, Shelby, sorry, not Shelby, Hayden. Excellent yesterday. I really liked some of his forward runs. That's what that's when I like Hayden. Not the Huddersfield Hayden. Not the Spurs Hayden. The Hayden who gets on the ball. He's he's got this brilliant ability to run in the straightest of lines. <laughs> and defenders just back off him. It's like yeah. the Red Sea parts in front of Hayden. I think it was we beat um Reading at home last year, four one, and it was the last goal. Hayden just ran from like halfway inside our own half with the ball into the box and no one put a tackle in. Because the opposition are also surprised to see him and he runs really quickly with the ball. But Hayden's pressing yesterday was crucial, and you're just not going to get that from Shelby. Yeah. You aren't. You aren't. Now, however, I don't think that we will press Swansea. Absolutely, we won't. I mean, it, like we will, like we did yesterday. So I would probably bring Shelby in for Marino, and I think he'll do that because last season he tended to favour players who weren't on international duty, were with the group before. You know, before yeah. the match, two weeks together in training, working on the game plan. Marino will come back from two games with the under twenty ones, so I think he'll go Shelby and can Hayden. I, can I interject there, Alex? Sorry. Of course. The uh, uh, the one thing about bringing Shelby back in for Swansea away could go either way. He's got a lot to prove this one. He's going to get some grief because obviously people know that like Shelby's an easy target, but he's obviously ex Swansea as well. Yeah. Now, given given his um, penchant for uh, temperamental behaviour. Against Swansea, do you think it could possibly be a risk bringing him back in? I don't think so. I don't. Uh, not. Uh, not. Not in terms of that. If he. If he. If he knows he's on thin ice. Thin ice now. If he was to get uh, sent off or something again straight away and get a four game ban, you could be looking at the end of his Newcastle career. Um, I don't know. I just think when we're. I mean, we're getting into the Swansea preview now. I've not. I've not seen the highlights of Swansea's game. Um, they got a. Did they get a, a win at Palace yesterday, which is massive. For game. I think I heard some Palace fans on the radio basically saying Swansea were were poor, allowed yeah. a, lot of, a lot of chances against them and scored with that only two chances. Um, so it, I, I just think I want as you know because I've still got the scars of Huddersfield. I want there to be as much creativity in that team as possible. Yeah. Not that I'm saying Marino isn't isn't creative by the way, but he isn't as creative as as Shelby, and I want to see Shelby come back with a point to prove. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like it's it's a tough one, isn't it? And I suppose we'll talk about that in the Swansea preview about whether 
bringing him back into that environment would be a good idea. Um, but it's, it's, it's nice, isn't it, to have a, to have a headache? I was just about to say, how different is... You know, when people talk about we're getting relegated, we're shit, we're this, they're that, that, that was the, the narrative among some fans, and particularly the media, after the Forest defeat, we're shit, we're definitely going down. Teams that go down, generally, provided Rafa stays, and we'll come on to that, don't have these kind of lovely headaches to have in, yeah. in such an yeah. important part of the team. You know, when Teams we, that burnt down have Johan Gufran as a holding midfielder. Yes, I'd, I'd forgotten about him in the collection of ridiculous <laughs> young uh, holding midfielders. <laughs> um, great point though, Norman. Um, so it's just, it's just a nice conversation to have, but just back to Marino quickly to give him the kind of final say on him. Um, I just I just can't believe how, I think you used the word, somewhat one of you used the words composed, how when he's under pressure, and he does give the ball away sometimes now as he shouldn't, when he's under pressure with big physical players on his back, he just backs himself. And that, that ability to back his own talent yeah. is, at 20 years old, playing in the Premier League, is absolutely massive. And that's one of the things which you'd say Jack Colbeck, the kind of decline of Jack Colbeck at Newcastle, when he signed for Newcastle in that first season of the party, when he had a good season and every, you know, everyone thought he was a good player, he lost his confidence pretty quickly after that when yeah. the shit hit the fan and he didn't want to run with the ball, he didn't want to pass, he didn't want to play any difficult passes, he wanted to play it easy. Yeah. You're never going to get that from Moreno, I don't think, personally. A decline uh, of Jack Colback. <laughs> sounds, like, um, sounds like a Nick Cave album, I like it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I suppose we'll, we'll move on now to strikers again. Let's talk about um, Serbia's number one, Alexander Mitrovic. Bolland, uh, your thoughts on yesterday and his performance when he came on? Uh, so he's taken his goal really well to take it round Joe Hart it was very un Mitrovic I was sort of expecting that he'd just lash it wide the first one was Mitrovic wasn't it yeah. the one where he smashes it straight on yeah very, that, that was typical Mitrovic but then he took his goal really well going round Hart and putting it in um, but he, he wasn't on the pitch that long so it's a bit difficult to judge really isn't it Yes, I think, you know, the again, hilarious scene yesterday when Kieran Clark scored that goal and everyone thought it was Mitrovic. So he's on a little bit, he's on 15 minutes or something, yeah. but um, who wants who wants to take the, the negative stuff about him? Sai? Uh, yeah, go on. <laughs> With pleasure. No, he's come on, I mean, Hosselu looked absolutely destroyed. Like he had 70 minutes and he was done. He had to come on. He put everything in, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yes, so Mitrovic has come on to, to outrageous applause again. A player who's scored one in 19 or 20 league games. Still a fan favourite, obviously. And I, I, I don't think... I don't think he played badly. As you say, Bolney played 20 minutes and scored. That's all he asked from your centre-forward. Um, he's, he's made a good run. It was, a, it was an Iniesta-like ball from Perez, but he's, he's made the right run. He's timed it perfectly to be onside and, and take around the keeper and score. The earlier chance was, was identical. He was one-on-one again. He's hit it straight out hard. That's the Mitrovic we it's used good to. Thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's made the keeper work, though. You'd, I'd be more critical of him if he'd hit it over the bar or whatever. You, he's He's got the shot on target yeah. and it's taken a good save yeah. from the keeper, but hasn't all, it? All we've ever asked from, from Mitrovic as a podcast, I think, and when we, we're kind of trying to rein in the ridiculous like loving that people have of him, is that as the striker in the team, especially in the formation we play, that if he's given two chances, he scores one of them and he's done that. So he's, he's got the opportunity to kick on and do the same. What does he decide to do instead? an elbow lad in the face which has been picked up by the BBC and he won't be in the team for the next three games so I mean if that's not reason enough to get him sold then I just don't know like he's just if he gets every time Mitrovic has done this as well I think in the last two years every time he's kind of worked his way back on the team and Rafa's kind of taken a gamble on him he, he then goes back to giving us an, a typically Mitrovic performance of running around headlessly doing nothing Hoslu showed him what We've been asking Mitrovic to do for two years. Hold hold your position up front, lead the line, stay with the, the centre halves, don't come running your own half, wait till you get the ball, wait for opportunities, and then win it and, and create chances. Hosley did more in that that's seventy minutes than, than Mitrovic has done in two years doing that job. Yes, Mitrovic has got other talents and he can he can score good goals, but he's just he's just too much of a liability for me. Liability is a good word. If that had been seen by the referee, he would have been sent off and would have been down to 10 men yeah. with 10 minutes or 11 minutes to go and we could have been sat here yeah, that was a having a, a different, yeah. a different day, a different podcast and it's just like, the blokes are fucking liability and if you like him and you have this, you know, it's, it's possible, by the way, to think he has potential and think he can be a good player and think he's a liability like I do. Um, I wish it wasn't so. 
And that performance by Jocelyn yesterday should show Mitrovic. Because Mitrovic, yes, he's not as tall as Jocelyn. He's probably not as good um, winning uh, aerial duels. So it's not as straightforward as a direct comparison between the two. It's not the same player. But that, that was all effort by Jocelyn yesterday. That was Jocelyn, like I said at the start of the show, closing down Harry and not giving the defenders a fucking moment's mm-hmm. rest. I'll tell you who got plenty of rest. Nottingham Forest, two centre-halves on, on Wednesday night. And I'm really positive for Mitrovic that he scored two really good goals. And like I said on Wednesday or Thursday in the preview podcast with Norman, in the box, I rate him. I do, I think he's good enough to play in the Premier League in the box for any team outside the top six, but particularly Newcastle United and Rafa Benitez. He's just not going to be in the box enough to ever get the starting berth, in my opinion. Yeah. That said, I, I, just, I can't see him not being banned. You hope the referee has maybe included it in his report. So he says it was a coming together. I didn't think there was anything in it. I can't see it. It still pisses me off that match of the day. Decided not to highlight the stamp last week on Hayden, but decided to like look at this. Pricks. Yeah. Um that doesn't take we can't claim to be hard done by. It is the exact same thing that Arnautovic did for West Ham and got a red card. The exact yeah. same thing. Um I just can't believe he's done it. And I was kind of impressed, even though these things don't matter. When Hostelu came off yesterday, and you watch the highlights back, Mitrovic gives him like a, you know, it's quite funny because he gives him like a really serious, like massive clap, like well done, like he's pointing at him. Hostelu as he comes off, saying like you're the man, brilliant, you're that, and that's really good teammate behaviour. I don't give a fuck about it in the grand scheme of things, but how could he then go and do what he did, like praising Hostelu's all action performance, yeah. and then to go and do something it is idiotic, and then it's just like last night, we'll come on, we'll have the reports of Rafa going to West Ham and. Village position being under under review by Sky and didn't really affect me too much. That you know that they'll, they'll not they'll not normally let we have one day of positivity. This should just be another negative thing. Yeah. This should just be another negative thing in in a in a positive time for the first time in the season for the club. And it's just like you know what is he twenty three? Is he twenty two? Twenty three? I don't know, but he's tw- nearly twenty three. It's like you're not he's not eighteen, not seventeen. John Joe Shelby's a fucking idiot as well for what he did, and. It's like it's just the same for for Mitrovic. I just I I'd love to come on the podcast today, love to, and just be totally positive about him because yeah. he came on yesterday and he did look a handful. And West Ham couldn't deal with Hoslu, but they had no answer to Mitrovic, and you know he did really really well and he was he linked up play quite well as well. I thought yesterday when he came on Mitrovic, it wasn't just a goal, yeah, but it's just I, for I fuck's sake, should, man. I don't think you should get carried away either way with uh with Mitrovic's performances. Come on and done a job against two West Ham defenders who were just knackered. He, you can't forget that he's come on and scored a goal and Rafa summed it up perfectly when asked about Mitrovic's performance he said you want your strikers to score a goal if you can do that three weeks running you know then, then I'm happy but that, that's all you know he's, he's done his job as, as the forward to score a goal and we can't just start saying Mitrovic has been brilliant because he's come on and scored in 20 minutes it's his fucking job it's his only fucking job so he's done it this time I hope he does it again if, if he is still around if he's not still around, we'll probably do we think you'll go then, lads? Do we think Bolland will bring you into it? Do you think there's there's even reports in today's Daily Mail that we're looking to offload Gale? But I mean, we can't just sell everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, we need to sign another striker if we're going to sell either of them. We need yes, to, we need to sign another striker. So unless we do that, there's there's no chance of them leaving. Um, and I would guess that we're not going to sign another striker. Well, I don't, I don't think Rafa would allow either to leave without having something guaranteed lined up. But would you? Would would both of you sell him? Would you sell him if he could guarantee a replacement? Do you know what I would? So I still think that there's potential in Mitrovic. The ideal situation for me would be to just loan him out somewhere, send him abroad for a year, like see if he matures, and then in a year's time, review it again. But um, if if we have to sell him to get a, a better striker than Jocelyn, for example, then yeah, then he has to go. Gail, Sai, do you, do you, would you, what do you make of those reports? I mean, it's not that long ago before since Dwight Gale was absolutely tearing up in the Newcastle shirt. Yeah. I don't think he did badly against Spurs. I think he played quite well. He didn't have a good game last week. I think it's really harsh to write Gale off, especially because he was supposedly ill for the first two games. So his, his performance has lacked energy, but we've been kind of given a reason for that. I do think he looks lightweight. I think every time he plays, he can't be playing with Perez because between them, they just haven't got enough presence. I don't write him off. I think he's still quick and... Some games, the the skills Gale has of being able to kind of create chances that are nothing we're going to need. Yesterday we dominated. If Gale had played, probably would have scored as well. But we dominated. What what we won't get from Gale is games where. Oh, sorry, what what I think Gale's main strengths are games where we're only going to get two or three chances, 
and that's by playing the ball in behind on a counter-attack. Probably not going to get the pace from, from Yosli or Mitrovic to, to get those kind of goals. And we'll, Maybe even Swansea Way is going to be one of those it's games. It's just a good, a good option. I don't think he should be starting up front for us yeah, in the Premier that, League. That, that's that's something to bring off the bench. In, in today's market, can we get it's, 15 million for Gale? The thing is, though, it's like you're, Bond, you're saying he shouldn't be starting up front in the Premier League, and obviously I agree with you. But it costs fifty million quid. Like we're not, we're not the kind of two. It's just perverse, isn't it? Like we've got a five million pound reject already. In my opinion, he showed more already in terms of a complete performance yeah. than than Rich. And it's just like, when does it end? Do you know what I mean? What do we do? We wait until he's twenty five, four years into his Newcastle career before he. Well, he's a, he's, a, he's a viable option, yeah, Vitry to start the Premier League. Like, if not now, when? Like, what's going to happen? I, I can't see yeah. what's going to change in this game. To for you to say, like, you know, as well. I mean, we do, we do, we can't afford to have the luxury of being able to wait and see. That's what no, we're that's, like the yeah. ideal the ideal scenario would be to to wait yeah. and see. Um, I think he'd benefit from going and playing somewhere else for a year and then have a look at him. But when Newcastle United, we can't be loaning out fifteen million pound strikers <laughs> just as a, on the hope that they get better. Can I just say something about Mitrovic? Please do. Um, I think uh, coming off the bench, I would rather have Darren Murphy coming off the bench than Mitrovic. And that's not saying that Darren Murphy should be here and in the squad. But if Murphy was still here and the opportunity to bring someone off the bench, it was it was either Mitrovic or Murphy, I would still rather it would be Murphy coming off the bench. Um, and also, I think Mitrovic, I think there is, there is ability there, undoubtedly. But I don't think it's the kind of ability that's going to work in the Premier League. I think if you if you send him to somewhere, if he goes and plays somewhere like Turkey, like a Fenerbahce or Galatasaray, I think he'd bang a load of goals in. I think he'd do a good job in Spain, perhaps. But um, I just don't see it, it happen. Yeah, I don't think his temperament fits fits the game. Yeah. Yes, and like everyone else who uh, you know, if there's any other crits and players, I'd be delighted to be proved wrong. Um, you know, that's that's a frustrating thing with him. He's, he's you know. He's not Emmanuel Riviere. He's he's a good footballer. At times, it's just um, just yesterday was just so disappointing coming home. And I mean, we I saw the incident happen live. Obviously, you didn't know the extent of it, but you saw the coming together. Mm. And you're like Lanzini's down on the floor holding his face. It's just like I just I just thought like let that please let that not be what I'm going to presume it is. <laughs> and it in it, it and it is it was like yeah. it it was. It's not like. It's not like an anti-Mitrovic thing to see that happen and think, for fuck's sake, please don't have been an idiot. And he has, but never mind, that's that's that. Hopefully he doesn't get banned, but, you know, time will tell. Um, just quickly, lads, you know, Bolland, I'll come to you for this one. The pressing yesterday, which we talked about, and we said we're not going to do that at Swansea, why do you think we didn't see that last season at home? It's uh, a good question. Um... I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Anyone want to write in to our Tia Freakley pod? Was it required last season? We, we don't know. Yesterday? We, we, we lost. We're home record wasn't great. And we, you know, we're losing to Wolves and losing to... Uh, we had the ball most of the time last year. So I guess... It's, it's, you, you're right. You, you are right. That team sat off, gave us possession of the football. But it was still, even when we were out of possession, we didn't particularly press them. We were content to let their centre-backs have the ball. There's none more criticising we got the, the job done last year. It was just someone asked on Twitter. Good question. So <laughs> I think the, the possession stats for yesterday was something like 65% West Ham. Yeah, 37, 30. more, more than that. Yeah, so 37-73. It was, a, it was a big difference in possession. Yeah. So it, it's it's yeah. kind of 37-73, Norman? <laughs> How many percent? 37-73, Simon. That's correct, yes. I believe. <laughs> who, who had the extra 10%? Was it us? <laughs> Anyway, um, mass, mass banter aside, <laughs> yeah, just, that that was a rough performance. That it was, it was be be like use your time on the ball productively. No passing around, doing nothing. Get go down one channel, go down another. Like it was just, it was just a perfect rough performance. And that that was we, we pressed when we needed to press. I don't think we pressed all game. I think when there was an opportunity to, to to add some pressure, we did. We didn't. We weren't chasing lost causes. We were just applying pressure at all the right times. And as you say, the first goal came from it. And it's it was kind of you press against a team like West Ham who who are like nervous and the, the, you know they would kind of they approached the game so negatively I thought like I think Billich is just trying to get a point because they've had such a bad start and they needed something I have no idea what their approach was to be honest with you <laughs> just it was so bad like I didn't know Hernandez was playing I didn't know they were just I mean yeah like you say you make a good point side they were nervous in possession they were nervous on the ball and were, were exploited that but 
<clears throat> it was nice to see. It's, it, it is kind of without going all like um, Sky Sports and everybody. I'd rather would did that, you know, Newcastle fans do want to see Preston, Harry and closing players down, winning a, like, you know, forcing a throw in and deep in enemy territory. It yeah. just gives you something to get behind, doesn't it? And I thought the crowd reacted fantastically yesterday. Great day at St. James's Park. And it was just like, you know, Norman, you had a <clears throat> your nephew with you. Just nice for the kids as well to see something so positive. <laughs> He was he was uh, overjoyed. He said it was. I mean, obviously, you know, he lives in Jersey and uh, he gets over to a couple of games a season. And he's only fourteen. He's been going since he's about four or five. And he said that was the most memorable match that he's been to. So Cut in. there you go. Yeah, that was just a great day. Um, buzzing. <laughs> we'll move on quickly now. We're coming to the end of the show. We must talk about um, the comments Rafa made that deflated everyone uh, on Friday night, saying that he doesn't well. He said, some managers see a club as a four or five year project. I'm not sure that's what we have here or some words to that, that effect. Anyone want to comment on them or is it more as do you think it's just go on side? Yeah, you talked about us being deflated on the way to the match. I have a feeling that psychologically it was more about having read that from Rafa than, than it was the game. Because when I wrote my match preview on Thursday or, or Wednesday, I, you know, I talked about us winning. I thought this is a great opportunity to kickstart the season. We've had a couple of alright performances, but here's one against a team that are shite, which we needed, and uh, we've done it. I think before the game we were all so deflated because we picked up on these Rafa comments from from the night before, and it's just, it's the first time Rafa. People, have, it's been suggested all summer that Rafa might look for for other. He's been messed around. He's he's, he's going to leave. West Ham's one of the teams mentioned, China as well. Um, but Rafa's never really never really reason. This is the first time Rafa said words to the effect of. I'm now not so sure about my long-term future here, whereas before, you kind of got the impression that as long as everything is right, Rafa could be here for a long, long time, and this is the first time he's suggested himself that that, that I, I gave a different spin on it when we are in the car, and that maybe it's just mind games again from Rafa, maybe it's Rafa's way of of getting the kind of fans to make a make a decision again to, to back him and kind of make the world see it as... as if, if Newcastle let this man leave, how ridiculous it would be, and maybe it was mind games again to get get people on side. But I was sort of thinking about this. I think Rafa needed that win just as much as all of us yesterday. Like I think he's just been miserable for the last week. Yeah, like, in, having the atmosphere and like who picks up Rafa Benitez when it goes for all this this rubbish? Because I doubt Lee Charnley's sort of <laughs> sure that a cry on for him. Maybe just having that like, mint atmosphere yesterday and everyone singing, singing his name. Maybe he'll just be a bit bit happier this week and stop whinging all the time. So I've got to admit, I'm getting a bit sick of hearing him whinge. Like, it can't be great for the players. He sounds a bit like David Moyes at times. Like, he basically is coming out and saying he thinks doesn't think the players we've got are good enough. It's essentially he's, he's never said that. He's never said that. No, essentially that's essentially what he's doing when he. No, 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 that's yes, what the media. That's what the media are making no, look like. Saying that, every that, time. No, come on, no, let no, me no, finish what I'm saying. Go on, go on, I'll come back. That's what he's doing. He's just sounds miserable and it will rub off on the players it rubbed off on all of us going up to the game he needs to just we know he's unhappy we know he's unhappy we know he hasn't got the players he needs but just fucking get on with it now like. right Bollins okay we'll let you speak you're welcome um, the you know just a couple of things one whenever he said we haven't got our first choice players he's always said immediately after but I'm really happy with the players I've got so you have it's like he has clarified that and secondly when you also like can you imagine the players having a really good coaching session with Rafa like dead positive we're going to set up for the game this is what West Ham's going to do this is what you're going to do come on lads really good week training and they go home and watch the manager's press conference and then they go oh I can't see it I can't see it I think they work with the man every single day they're probably seeing him around the day if that's how he's acting in front of the media he's probably well then explain yesterday's performance well no chance that that's happening we've seen Rafa did you see Diame's interview he's alluded to the fact that they know he's not happy like he just needs to sort of yeah Richie said after the game as well but Richie said the same things as Rafa's been saying which is he, he, he wants to add quality to the team we all, we all get that but we, you know, we're, as a group we're still working really hard and we're going to do as best as we can Bolander I, I don't disagree with your general point I just think I, I know what you're saying Like we'll, we'll get it and we've said this in podcasts before we get it but I'm still going to back Rafa's judgement and everything he does and trying to do that he obviously sees as necessary, necessary to try and force whoever's hand or do whatever or let the fans know you can say whatever the fuck he wants and churn churn out performances like that for me. Yeah. Um, that'll do. But I just want to. He's being asked the question every week as well. The, the yeah. media are desperate for him to say anything like this so they what can did, stick it on the on the back page. On the way home, 
on the way home, me and Sai had five live on. I mean, basically, the match didn't happen. Yeah. The match did not happen. Don't they talk, they talked about every other game yeah. apart from our game. Just didn't happen. Um, but then Rafa came on, so they had to, they had to play his interview. Yeah. And the, the question he got was so loaded. Yeah. You said it at the time. I can't remember what it was, but it was basically like, it wasn't this hard, but it was like, so Rafa, um, you're going to leave. <laughs> like, we were basically trying to get him to say, like, oh, Rafa, big week ahead. If you don't get what you want, could there be problems down the line? It's like, how the fuck do you answer that question? Yeah. And he did answer it very well. He just said, well, working hard. Everyone at the club is working hard to make sure we have the best possible squad. I want to throw a hypothetical at you, Norman. Rafa has a release clause of reported £6 million in his contract. West Ham come from... A, do you think Ashley says, crack on? B, do you think Rafa goes... I think A, Ashley would say, yes, crack on, because that's how he operates. And I think B, if Rafa knows that Ashley said, crack on, then he's going to have his head turned. So you think he's going then? Because I think it's fairly likely that the first thing will happen. West Ham will make an approach for him. I can't see West Ham have already spewed all their money. So I they're going to say they're five million quid, man, to get him. What? No, I'm but I don't think Rafa's <laughs> going to want to inherit the squad they've got now, which is full of really difficult characters, players who won't won't buy into Rafa's kind of man management, solid kind of very systematic way of playing football. If he went there, he'd want another hundred million to spend. Which he wouldn't this, care. this might be a bit of a daft thing to say, but I don't think Rafa would want to go to London. It's quite hard to get to Liverpool from London. It's not, <laughs> it's not, an, easy, it's not an easy journey. He, li- he likes a challenge. It's not like Newcastle. Liverpool is a fucking walk in the park right of Holland, as you yeah, know. Yeah. He likes a challenge, but why is he going to go to the bottom of the league? Like, get, well, getting into East London and back to Liverpool, that's a nightmare. Um, my take on it is he wouldn't go unless he was seriously fucked about in the next week. Yeah. If he manages to get rid of the players, so De Jong's on the verge, Riviere's gone, if they manage to shift... Kroll, Kolbach, Hanley, Lazar, maybe Haidara, and maybe someone else. Just say they got rid of them. Mm. That should free up the wages space to bring in a couple more quality additions, a left-back, a goalkeeper, and a striker, potentially for striker leaves. If he gets them, I don't think um, he would want to go to West Ham. He could, it's like, it's you know, it's, it's difficult to talk about because of what's happened since, but... He's here for a reason. He, he loves it. He clearly loves it. He loves the city. He loves the club. He clearly doesn't like the owner um, and the way he's treated by the owner. But I just think he, like you say, yesterday is probably a big deal to him. It's like he constantly talks about, and you'll have heard us on the podcast talk about last season when we met him three times last season. He only wants to speak to us to try and get a very simple message. Please support the team. It's dead important. Yesterday, He'll have been buzzing with the support from the start of the game. I you know, the commentators on Sky gave you know kept saying it's a nervous St James's Park. I didn't get that yesterday before the first goal. Right. I thought the support was excellent throughout and positive throughout. Um, for, Can he, I just add? Sorry. No, go on then, Norman. It's just a, just a direct quote from him um, yesterday. Um, the fans were crucial last year, and they have to be crucial this year. They are trying to help. I think I have some friends in the stands. That's they're, they're the words of somebody who definitely doesn't want to go. And I feel that he'll be here till at least the end of the season. And I don't think the bid from West Ham will come in. If, if anything, it might be next, next pre-season. If he's been made promises by Ashley again with the Premier League money. And then it's withdrawn towards the end of May. Maybe then. But I think I think we've got him for this season. And I think he really wants to be here. I hope you're right. And I, I, I agree with you. Um, and if, if, uh, if you're wrong, we can all... Drink the bleach together. <laughs> I'll buy. I'll buy. I'll just buy everyone. Everyone like pints. Like at least eight each. <laughs> right. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll stick with that. We'll, we'll we'll make a commit to that. I think that's it for today's show. I don't think we've missed out on anything. Um, just just you know what what an absolutely fantastic day it was to be in Newcastle fan yesterday, particularly in these dark times. And you know what? For all the shit that's gone on, fifty two thousand there again yesterday. Sell out. Um, fantastic day just dead pleased for everybody who was there pleased for the players pleased for the manager pleased for us because I like going and watch football like that <laughs> um, Bolland hopefully has restored your faith a little bit in going to footy matches well, I, said, I, said, I said after the, the Huddersfield game like that was a, a crap day but we'll, we'll, there will be some good days this season but I still think we're going to have some crap days as well we'll be we're still going to be in the bottom half of the table so yeah, well, yeah, we we'll see. Card, we've won one game against arguably the worst team in the league off on yeah. paper so far. Huddersfield have got another point again yesterday. Like, 
It's, it's, just, thing, it's just like it? last season. It's, yeah. They played Fulham and Huddersfield first, and everyone thought they were shite, but actually they were both quite good. Huddersfield has started well, and I think Wagner's a good manager. They'll probably finish somewhere fairly respectable. You know what um, I've got Spurs time for? For Huddersfield is they can defend. Yeah. They can defend. And it's like we saw yesterday, and I said this at the start of the season, there are loads of teams that can't. Loads of teams in this league can't defend, and yeah. we saw one of them yesterday. They just can't defend West yeah. Ham. We can defend, and Huddersfield can defend, and maybe Brighton as well, but Brighton look. Look average the playing yeah. against 10 it's minutes. It's probably a record. Promoted team hasn't conceded three, three, three games. Three games, yeah, yeah. It's impressive. <laughs> but I think we, we played two decent sides in the first two games and, and we, we matched them. I suppose we matched with, with 11 men. Huddersfield was a totally even game. That totally, yeah, nothing between way. the teams. Yes, we, we lack creativity, but we, we certainly went out of the game. West Ham, we've come up against a team that we're worse than we we've, we've smashed we've, them. We've done them. There's, there's plenty of the teams in this league who are not, not very good that we can, we can do that to. And I like the fact that, that that's fine. That, that gets you 20, 30 points. And we'll get points off better teams than us playing the way we have. That does it. Please remember to buy tickets for um, the True Faith Transfer Forum. 7th of September, the Irish Centre. £10 for tickets. All tickets go to the NUFC Food All tickets, sales, money, sorry. Go to the NUFC Food Bank. We've sold about 50 plus so far, so it's already guaranteed to be good numbers there. Good night. Just really quickly, George Colton, Luke Edwards, Martin Hardy, Craig Hope, Louise Taylor, Mark Douglas and Simon Bird. And you and me, maybe um, are going to be there on the panel. Um, well, talk. You t- might not be there. Well, I'll definitely be there. I don't know if I'll go on the panel or not. We'll see. We'll see what the the crack is on the night. Um, but yes, please buy tickets and come along. I get a lot of people asking me if I'm going to podcast it. Um, yeah, we'll we'll try. But I'll think about that when we've sold a few more tickets because I don't just want to say to everybody that don't have to buy tickets to hear it. <laughs> um, but maybe. Um, and yeah, that does it. Thanks very much to Norman, Simon, Bolin, lads. And well, international week next weekend, so you'll probably not hear from us for a little while now. We will probably do an Espinitas goes or something mental like that. Mm. If we sign loads of players, we might do a transfer special. I don't know. We'll see. Deadline day. Deadline. Deadline day or the day after. Um, otherwise, it'll be back for the Swansea preview. If anyone knows any sound Swansea fans, give us a shout. Because um, whenever I approach people on Twitter, they tend to let us down. Um, and you know whenever you lot the listeners recommend one of your mates uh, they're always there and normally very 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 good like the West Ham fan last week uh, Norman have you spoken to Brett about the game? Um, I haven't spoken because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it to work on Tuesday but I did see a Facebook post from him that um, had the West Ham colours background and the writing it just said fuck them <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there we've all been there thanks for listening we'll be back soon Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.